Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday, Game Week Tuesday. UNLV coming to Coliseum this weekend. We got to talk some USC Trojan football. JT Daniels being named the starter. We got to talk about that. Lots to get to. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can call or text us at this number, 424 424- 254-9141. You can send us a text. You can send us a voicemail. All that kind of stuff. And, of course, we love your emails, too. We got all that today. Who's going to help us with that? We got Keely Yor here. Follow on Twitter at Keely is my name. Going to help out. What's up, Keely? Hello. It's game week. I'm excited. Game week. Excited. She's in studio. We're going to head to practice. And then the main attraction, you know, <laughs> you like me and Keely, but Dan Weber. This is the Dan Weber podcast. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Doing good, and uh, I'll echo Keeley. I, it does changes everything when you get to game week. It's just college football is the best, and you get to that first game week, uh, it's, it's just nothing like it. Uh, so this is great. It is great. Really excited for game week, and uh, you want to go to the game this weekend? It's on Pac-12 Network, so you might need to go to the Coliseum. <laughs> uh, it's back. Football's back. The way to get to if you want to go to the game, you don't have tickets. SeatGeek is the way to go. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. If you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek will help you find the best seats at the best prices. Fully guaranteed, there's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. So it'll search multiple ticket sites by grading every ticket based on value. It'll help you immediately immediately identify the best seats that fit in your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek has plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and the theater, too. It's going to make your ticket buying experience that much easier. And I actually have SeatGeek on my phone, so I just looked it up. For UNLV, tickets start at $24, so no excuse if you don't want to get down to the Coliseum. It's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. Uh, So check it out. Go to SeatGeek.com. Uh, download the app, and if all of our listeners will get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase, all you got to do is download the app, enter the promo code USC, that's promo code USC, and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Like I said, $20 off, $24 ticket to the game. It's basically like you're going for free. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Uh, I'm curious to see how many people end up coming out, Dan, for this weekend, and, and Keely. What do you guys think? It's... uh the home opener, people want to see JT Daniels. Is it going to be packed? I'm not sure. Yeah, I really don't. I don't have a good feel for how much the renovation uh, has turned people off, especially the fact that, uh, you know, the three parking lots are gone. I mean, that's really kind of overwhelming if you drive down the, drive down the, whatever it is, Bill Robertson Way there, and you realize they're all gone. They're just big holes in the ground. Uh and so that doesn't leave you, you know, great, you know, options as far as, uh, as far as parking. So I could see some hesitancy of, of people, you know, for the first game, uh, just saying, you know, would it be the only thing USC's got going for it? <clears throat> the game's on the Pac-12 network and a lot of people can't get it. Yeah. Uh, so 
I guess that's the plus. Uh, if it were on a like a regular network, uh, uh, you you might have more of a worry. I, I think JT Daniels, uh, the that just having him, that that kind of is a factor, a kind of a wow. Maybe I need to see this guy his first game ever. I know some people are real unhappy, uh, out of town people who can't see it because it is on the Pac-12 network, and they would like to be able to see JT Daniels first game. So. You know, but boy, I just, I don't have any sense. I know they say that the season tickets are up this year, uh, but, you know, it's not the greatest home schedule. So I don't, I, I think I'm flipping a coin as far as uh, Saturday and the crowd. The nice thing, though, is that the forecast looks pretty good for Saturday. Okay. Yeah. It's not going to be a Western Michigan redux if, if, if everything goes right. So I'm glad that I yeah. won't be dying on the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we heard what eighty-three, uh, maybe a kickoff or something like that. So that's uh, that's very workable. I, I, we'll we'll accept that. And so before the game, if you're going to be around on campus, we partner up with Trader Joe's, and we're going to do a little meet and greet for USC fans. So we're going to set up the uscfootball.com canopy in the uh, plaza area next to Heritage Hall, between Heritage Hall and the McKay Center. So they do the Jock Rally, which I believe starts at five o'clock. And that's where the band comes out. They play songs. The players come out. The coaches. It's kind of this big, just kind of party out there on the plaza. And we're going to have our our little gathering there. So just come up and meet up. We'll start at 3 o'clock right next to Heritage Hall. Just look for the uscfootball.com canopy. And we're going to have those Trader Joe's bags to give away. So a lot of those will have some snacks. And if you want to come and, and chat, talk some football with Keeley or Dan or myself, uh, I think Shotgun will be there. I think yep. Chris Trevino will be there. I don't think we're going to get Gerard out from the Inland Empire. because <laughs> no. Unfortunately, Friday night we all have to, we cover high school games too. But um, yeah, a little meet and greet there. And then you can go from right right from there. You're at the Jock Rally. And if you want to go, we had Ben Malcolmson on last week. He's going to do a book signing at the bookstore after that. So lots going on uh, Friday afternoon, Friday evening at USC. And uh, one more uh, element that we uh, we have to mention the Song Girls. Yes, the Song Girls will be there. They they perform, right? Like they'll play the the band will play and then the Song Girls will dance. I don't know if the uh what's the the dance team do they come out or the the other people? The Silks? I think I, the Silks will be there. Okay. That's the the flag people. Yes, right? the yep. flag yep. people. I don't know. Just, like there's our technical <laughs> term besides the Silks, yeah. So it'll be cool. So Trader Joe's have been great. We had a, a, a awesome event last year. Uh, where Clay Helton came out and uh, and said hello to everybody, and we had him on. We're not going to do any kind of live broadcast from uh, the event. We might just do some like social media stuff on our phones, but just want to come out and, and meet people. And a lot of people asked about those Trader Joe's USC bags, so we'll be doing those. Those are in hot demand. Yeah, you made the mistake of saying that you uh, would. <laughs> maybe that was just on the peristyle. That was only for like for our members. Like, Oops, yeah. my bad. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, people uh, want to go. So hopefully you can be there. You can come out, and uh, we'd love to see you and meet and you know chat with you and stuff. So it's always it's always fun doing stuff like that. Um, all right. Well, Dan, there was some news over the weekend. Maybe news we didn't really expect. I guess uh, this. Yeah, I didn't expect it Sunday night. I expected oh, okay. the depth chart to come out Sunday night. I did not expect as I'm at the concert at the beach in Hermosa to. Uh, Get a little news. Oh, yeah, JT Daniels was named the starting quarterback. He actually sent that out before the depth chart, right? So 
I thought right. didn't Clay Helton say he was going to do that at a different time? I guess it was a different time, just before. Yeah, I. I mean, I asked him specifically because you're trying to you know plan your your weekend, and I said you know the separate announcement. Yes. Uh, so the uh, uh, depth chart's going to go out first with ors or or or, and he said yeah, which is the way it has been in the past. And so uh, I think I think it's a a more sure-footed head coach who can say, you know what, it doesn't make any sense to extend this into Monday. Let's just, you know, get it over with, get, get everybody informed. And, and to be honest, as much as you want to respect the three players in the competition, and it was three players, not four, uh, and as much as you want to do that and talk to their parents and, and, and all of that, you really need to talk to your team and let your team know who the quarterback's going to be. And I think you have more of a responsibility uh, to your team than even, you know, to the, the guys that are in the quarterback competition. So I think that's what Clay did. I think that's what a big-time head coach does, is he makes the best decision for the team as soon as he's ready to make it, and you don't hold it over until Monday and all of that. I thought that was – I thought that in the combination, and Keely, you know, went over this of what we learned in the, in the, in the uh, game notes, that's a more – that's a coach who's more sure of himself and more – you know, there weren't as many oars in the uh, in the depth chart, which was kind of a cop-out, I think, you know, in past years and all that. It was more of a decisive, I think, Clay Helton over the weekend, which is what this team needs, and, and it's what Clay needs. And I thought that was all – everything about that, that was a good thing, and I don't care that he crossed this up by moving it up. You know, it was – you weren't able to necessarily know where you were going to be and when it was going to happen, but I thought it was a good thing that he did it the way he did it and. uh I uh, I applaud him uh, for that. I think with the depth chart coming out and that all at once, I kind of think it sets up a pretty good week for USC here. Uh, I think they needed that. I I, I don't know if you if there was going to linger on until Tuesday or Wednesday, but I think this really sets the team up well for this week. It's going to be a regular week to get ready. I, I don't know what you guys think, but it just seems like this was a better thing just to get it all done and, and moved out of the way. Yeah, well, I mean, they actually – he had a practice. I mean, you know, it's not open for us and it's not a practice where they're running through things and all that, but they actually have what they call in their minds a practice on Monday. And you needed to have your quarterback for that practice on Monday, especially if he's a young guy or a new guy. I think you need to, you know, make it clear. He's the guy, you know, there's none of, you know, I mean, for some of us, he was the guy, you know, since we actually saw him in person, in the summer with everybody else the first day, but he's, you've got to, you know, make him the guy and he's got to be, you know, taking, I think even for, for a younger guy, it's even more important that he was, uh, he was named on Sunday. And um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think they, they set up this week well, and you didn't need, need any, I wonder is there, you know, who's, will it be experience or will it be whatever? No. It will be the guy who's played, you know, played the best in practice, moves in the best, has the highest ceiling. It's going to be that guy. And I think that sets a tone for the rest of the team that that's how you get to be the starter is you play better and you do better, you know, you produce more. And, and so I think from every standpoint, it was a good weekend for USC, the way that the decision was made. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we got a bunch of questions about the quarterbacks to start. I'm going to start off with a voicemail or two. Here's the first one. 
JD from DC uh, with a question for Dan um, this week. Dan, I think a factor that was hard to assess for any of us, including you from the sidelines, is this whole factor of confidence when it comes to the quarterback competition. This is arguably JTD's most distinctive attribute, as it was probably for Darnold and Matt Barkley as well, two other young guys who started uh, in their career. These guys never had any doubt they could make all the throws, even though at times they couldn't. Let's be honest, none of them have the strongest arms in the book. There were always questions about uh, Barkley's ability, for example, to throw cross-field passes. And Sam was, to say the least, inconsistent with his bombs and tended to underthrow, not overthrow receivers in that context. And, you know, equally important in this whole confidence game is uh, the confidence it gives the team and especially, uh, you know, the coaches to open up the playbook and call signals. You know, you get, you get into a very salutary cycle when... The offensive corner is willing to open the book and call plays. The quarterback makes the play. Then he opens up the book more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we saw just the opposite with Cody Kessler. Um, and I think that's very illustrative. Okay. Uh, well, uh, to be honest, confidence was the least uh, issue in doubt. I mean, it, it was there was no doubt. JT's unbelievably confident. And one of the reasons he's confident is he can make all the throws. I mean, and, and I know there's that quote out there that he doesn't have the strongest arm. I mean, I guess that means, you know, compared to, you know, George Izo of Notre Dame in 1960 who could throw the ball 90 yards or whatever. Okay, he doesn't have that arm. Or he doesn't have the Mahomes arm uh, rookie. In the, I guess he's a rookie, a rookie, second-year guy in the NFL. But he's got a really, really strong arm. He can throw all the throws uh, outside the numbers. He can make all those NFL throws, and he can throw the ball 50 yards down the field, you know, at the sideline. So uh, there's probably not a throw that you would say he can't make, and and that wasn't the, what you that wasn't the case with either Matt Barkley or or uh, or Sam Darnold. There were throws you didn't want them making; they couldn't make. Uh, and JT can make them from, from the pocket. He can drop straight back and throw it anywhere on the field. And that really makes life tough for, you know, I think I was, was at Herb Street the other night was talking about that, that if you can drop straight back and yet he, they don't have to roll you out to one side or the other, which they, you know, did with the other quarterbacks, man, you don't cut the field down at all for the defense. So, uh, so, uh, JT confidence, is never going to be an issue with JT. I think the confidence factor, though, is is what it does for say T. Martin in the playbook. Uh, with it became pretty obvious in practice. The playbook was completely open with J, JT. There were it wasn't limited, uh, and that wasn't the case with the other two. With, so uh, T. Martin is a better uh, play caller with JT as his quarterback because there's. You know, there there aren't the limitations, and there aren't the maybe the predictability. So, uh, uh, you know, JT's he got a lot going for him with the the way he can throw the ball all over the field to all different points, and uh, it, it just you know he he's ahead of uh, both uh, Matt Barkley and and Sam in, in that area, which allows him to also then be more more of a confident. Uh, guy, which he is. I think Sam was extremely confident in his own ability to compete and to, 
make something out of nothing and, and to make a play happen no matter what. And that was, you know, that competitive, I'll get the, I'll get this done no matter what, I think was, was his, his big asset. And, and to be honest, Matt Barkley's biggest asset was he was, he was almost the spokesman for the athletic department or the football program during the NCAA sanctions. I mean, here's a kid was, you know, a freshman and he was doing a lot of the answering uh, for, you know, what was going on with this program and, and handled that really well. But, uh, but I think, you know, both of them have uh, probably not the ability to have confidence in everything they can do the way J- JT uh, has that confidence. We have a question from Nick B who says, do you see T Martin or clay implementing a wildcat package for Jack Sears or Matt Fink, especially in USC's goal line sets? You know, I think we, we, we thought maybe there would be something like that because I know, you know, they obviously did that two years ago to, to try to get Sam on the field and in the game with a wildcat short, or not wildcat, but just a Sam, uh, short yardage or, uh, you know, goal line situation. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't rule it out completely, uh, to, uh, to get one or, or the other of those guys on the field. Uh, but I don't know that I see it right away. I think they really want to say, this is your team, JT, you know, get it, get them, get them into the end zone is, is my thinking. You know, we saw in 2016 when Max Brown won the job, they, they put Sam Darnold in those situations. And maybe that was because they really felt he was going to be the guy eventually. Uh, but I'd be curious to see, they did run some, some of the, when they were going through the quarterback reps, there was a couple series where they put in a, a one of the other quarterbacks in for like one play. I don't know if you remember that. It would be like, yeah, you know, yep. so maybe that sets it up for that. Um, I'm not sure about like a wild pack, wildcat package, but maybe they bring someone in. I thought it would be more of a Jack Sears because I felt like he had played, you know, better, but you know, he, he's listed as third, which is kind of interesting too, right? I don't What do you think he like? Yeah. That? I don't know how that works, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, but, you know, if you were going to put in uh, like a quarterback run or a quarterback true option uh, situation at the goal line, I mean, that gets me nervous a little bit because the plays you run at the goal line are so important. And yeah. If you turn the ball over, you're talking, you know, is that a 14 point swing or whatever? So, you know, the, the, thought pattern that goes into that it says well we're going to do something different when it's really the that really doesn't work especially doesn't work i think if it involves the kind of ball handling under pressure that you don't practice a lot uh you know that's not something you do every single day a lot so my my instinct would be say no don't do that but uh uh we'll see Keely, did you think it was interesting that Sears was third and not second? Or yeah, I I definitely thought based on performance, uh, Sears would definitely be the second guy. Um, I wrote as Dan mentioned in that that ten things we learned from the depth chart. Maybe it's Hilton just going with seniority um, and just listing Sears. I mean Fink and then Sears after after each other. But it's just a little odd. It's a little odd. Yeah. Um, but that yeah, actually, I, mean, I, I yeah, ahead, I don't know if it if it also foreshadows who's going to be the scout team quarterback. I mean, and they're not necessarily going to have a scout team as such uh, as much as, as we've had in the past, because they've got a lot of guys uh, that would, you would call second, third team guys who are competing to play. And maybe they'll, you know, let them, uh, you know, handle what we always called scout team duties. 
but they've got to have a quarterback for the scout team and uh holden thomas at six six and and more of a you know big arm guy doesn't replicate what they're going to see from most of the pac-12 teams they play so uh i'll be interested to see how they handle that i mean do you go with the guy who was the scout team quarterback last year also you know again this year and what does that do you know for jack sears or what are they thinking about his future at USC uh, if he's not the, you know, the next guy in line? I think it means something. I don't think we know exactly what it means, the way they set up the quarterback uh, depth chart. Well, that actually is a good segue into our next question from Bearsecutor. Um, he wants you to comment on the following depth chart surprises. Uh, Dorton over Jay Tufele, Bayless Jones over Almond Ross St. Brown, Jacob Daniel listed together with Jordan Austin, and obviously Fink over Sears, and then Ware and Malapai listed together for the running backs. You know, I don't know that any – I think we maybe get – uh, caught up a little bit too much in who's ahead of who on the depth chart. It, it, the way they've been practicing on defense, I don't think it almost means anything. I mean, I think Malik Thornton has, you know, done a great job. And that doesn't mean that Jay Tefelli maybe hasn't been the most impressive defensive lineman, um, you know, in camp. So, I mean, I don't think those two are, you know, mutually exclusive. Uh, I think they're going to, get, you know, Malik Thornton on the field, and they're going to get, you know, Jay Tefelli on the field, and they're going to get all those guys on the field. And uh, uh, so I think we, we maybe overread things into who's ahead of who or who where. Uh, I think the same thing with the running backs. They're going to play three running backs. That's yeah. what they've been doing in camp. They're going to they're gonna play them on any play. They're, they, they all can catch the ball. Steven probably has – just a little bit more spectacular wide receiver ability in him. And I think he'll be on the field with one of the other guys at times. Uh, uh, so you'll have two, uh, you know, running backs. But, uh, but I, I didn't think, I think the bigger surprise to me in the depth chart was just that they were willing to, to list them the way they did. Uh, and, 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 and not pull any punches and just said, yeah, this is what it, this is the way it looks. And, uh, uh, and some of them, I don't think it matters that much, but um, uh, I don't. I wouldn't call almost anything on the depth chart from from what we've seen in practice. I wouldn't call any of them uh, like a surprise. I just, I, I, I really don't think. I guess maybe the fact that they uh, indicated that Josh Fallow and Daniel Matabebe that they actually went ahead and said H back. I like that. I mean, that's what they were, that's what they've been moving to as the tight ends got a little healthier, uh, to use them as an ace back in motion and, uh, you know, uh, move them around on the field and sometimes play two of them. But other than that, that was, to me, that was actually the bigger surprise that they went ahead and enlisted, uh, uh, a couple of guys as ace backs. Yeah. That was a little strange. Uh, really interesting. Not strange. Um, we have one last uh, voicemail question for you on the quarterbacks, and then we'll move on to some other topics. Here you go. Hi, I'm Jason from Newport Beach, and I am just curious what your thoughts on that. Fink and Sears have been in the program for way longer than JT Daniels has, and if JT's going to be the starter, are there issues with USC's ability to develop quarterbacks? Um Although I'm happy JT is the starter because I believe he is the real deal. I am a little nervous about USC's abilities to coach up a quarterback. 
Uh, Sam Darnold was a freakish talent. They probably didn't do much for him. But what are your thoughts on why the other two guys with seniority did not beat out the true freshmen? Thank you. Yeah, there are no no deep thoughts here. JT is just really, 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 really good. He can make all the throws. He's, uh, you know, a master of the playbook. He's this quarterback savant. He just, you know, he, I think he was the best quarterback in the country last year. And in any other sport, if you bring in the kid who's the best player in the country, he's going to play. So, you know, that doesn't say anything bad about the guys that were here. I think Jack Sears and, and Matt, I think they, I don't know what happened to them in spring. I don't know if that was the coaching, if that was the design. I mean, they, I, they talked about we were going to do this uh, not for evaluation, it's for education. And it didn't seem to be a lot of education that got done. And, and, and it just didn't seem to be focused in, in you know, in the quarterback's direction. That, that just was a, a kind of a wasted spring for those two. But that changed in the summer when JT got here. I mean, the, the PRPs, those guys, uh, and then obviously in fall camp, those guys got a lot better. And, uh, you know, there's still, you know, some, there's still some throws they can't make and there's some, some consistency things and all of that. But they're going up against, you know, JT is really, really good. And so, yeah, I, I don't have any sense that uh, they can't develop quarterbacks. I mean, look, uh, USC's got a pretty good history of quarterbacks coming in here and uh, and doing pretty well. I mean, Cody Kessler, uh, you know, he certainly got the most out of his ability. I thought that he, he developed, uh, you know, I don't know how far back we go, uh, but there's a history at USC that, you know, if you're the quarterback, you're going to get a chance to be, uh, be pretty good and, um, and, and you're going to, you're going to develop. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it as those guys didn't develop. I would put it at JT's just really good. And he would have beaten out pretty much anybody, I think, around the country if he'd have gotten a fair shot. He, he's that good. I mean, it just, you know, it happens. We have a question from Nick who uh, is wondering more about the depth chart moves. He wants to know, as far as uh, Alma Narsay Brown and Bubba Bolden winning those jobs at uh, punt returner and free safety, uh, what what got them those jobs? What separated them from the pack? Well, Amon Ra can catch the ball. I mean, he can catch everything. He's a uh, you know got baseball hands, got that very you know instinctive, quick twitch. He's unbelievably confident. Got all those instincts that you know the the, the Adori uh, stuff that you you know he'll catch it. He'll you know bring it back. He's got that just real instant, quick you know decisiveness, and he doesn't drop it. Uh, so he got a lot, th- a lot of things going for him. Uh, he sees the ball. I mean, he does these drills where he's, you know, lying on, on, on the ground, looking away and he has to turn around and then locate the ball and then go get it. I mean, he just, you know, the kind of things that were really a chore and, and uh, for a Jenny Harris last year, who really had to work at picking up the ball and, and, and hands and all the kinds of things that, uh, that you really need in that spot. Uh, you know, uh, Amon Ra doesn't ha- doesn't have to work at that. He does. He works at it unbelievably hard. But a lot of that is gifted. I mean, you either can do it or you can't. And I'm not even sure you can coach it all that well. You just, you know, you have that ability to do it. And then Bubba Bolden, 
I mean, we were told until, you know, the last week that Bubba, it was Bubba and Achille Ross and Achille Ross, you know, dropped out of the competition. So, uh, so at that point, I mean, I didn't think it was that close because Achille just, you know, had been hurt and, and hadn't really been able to, to get many reps at all. So, um, Bubba had been the guy, you know, had been the guy playing and he is the hammer back there. I mean, he will, you know, you, you do want him to stay under control. Um, it'd be interesting, uh, first game when he's going up against, uh, you know, his hometown UNLV, I think it'll be an interesting test for, uh, for Bubba in terms of, you know, he's the new guy, the young guy, uh, in terms of composure, but, uh, but he will, uh, he'll, he'll, he, you know, he's an enforcer back there. He's that kind of, you know, moving into where nobody maybe quite will move into Ronnie Lott territory. He's just sort of, he's sort of going in that direction. And that's probably a good thing for USC that where they maybe quite haven't put the fear of the, you know, fear of the Lord in the, in the opponent team and in opposing teams. And, uh, I think Bubba Bolden, could be one of those guys who will. Paul has a question about uh, how USC, in his own mind, continues to lose very talented players to transfer or behavioral problems. And he lists Bryce Dixon, Noah Jefferson, Osa Messina, Carrie Angeline, Jamel Cook, EJ Price, Joseph Lewis, Jack Jones, and Achille Ross. Uh, And he says, we cannot continue to lose players of this caliber and compete for a national championship. So what are your thoughts on that, Dan? I think some of that is just, you know, you're so focused on USC, you really don't, you don't have the ability to step back and, and take a look at the big picture. I mean, the amount of transfers just keeps, uh, you know, moving up and up and up. I mean, I think in both football and basketball, it's really, uh, it's really not unusual. I mean, it's one of the reasons I think they changed the, uh, they're changing the transfer rule, the red shirt rule. Uh, they're just giving kids more freedom. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think, I mean, it was a shame of uh, Kerry Angeline, for example. You, you hated to see that happen, but, uh, I think USC, and that was some lack of communication, I think, as much as anything. And, and, and that probably shouldn't have happened. But I think, you know, with behavioral issues and all that, man, they're, they're everywhere. There isn't anybody that doesn't have them. Um, you just have to be able to, you know, put a roster together that you can handle those. And you, you almost have to build in the, the, the thought that, you know, quarterbacks are going to transfer. It's like, uh, you know, college basketball. I think darn near 25% of college basketball scholarship players uh, transferred last year. And there aren't as many of those guys. And if they don't get to play, you know, they're going somewhere where they can play. And I think the same thing happens with, uh, you know, especially like a quarterback there's only one quarterback going to play. And, um, you know, if you've been the guy, you know, for years and everybody expects you to, uh, you know, to be the guy and you go to a place like USC or Alabama or wherever, and, uh, you're not going to be the guy, you are probably looking for some place to go. I mean, you know, Alabama's had a lot of guys, had a lot of guys leave. And, uh, you talk about, um, you know, issues, in terms of uh, losing guys, I mean, UCLA just lost six guys for the first, second, third games, a uh, different number of games. But I think of those six that they just suspended, five are among their top 30 players on this year's team, which isn't a real, a real deep team. I mean, it's just, I think we have a tendency to look at USC, focus so much on USC, we don't see that it's happening 
pretty much everywhere. I mean, it really, it's just, that's the way the world works right now. Tark wants to know um, about, as far as rotation goes on the defense, do you expect Clancy Pendergast to actually do that, or is it just talk? He has to do it. It's not, I mean, first of all, it doesn't make any sense not to do it with the talent that they've got. I think the Ohio State game, I think it was more of an impression on them. Than, I think some of us, the impression we got was how physical and how, you know, uh, just committed to, to bringing everything they've got. For, uh, I think the, for Clay and the USC coaches, I think the lesson they took out was the reason they were able to do that is that they had so much depth. Now, as far as I'm concerned, one of the reasons Ohio State was able to do that is that's how they practice. And that's what they believe in. Uh, but the fact that they had that many players who could do it certainly uh, talks of their depth. But I think USC has really committed to playing a lot of people. I mean, they will, they were substituting, I think, on defense in the middle of series, you know, just running guys in and running guys out. I would be completely shocked if they do not do that. I know we've, you know, guys have said, oh, they've talked about it, but, you know, guys don't get Clancy's trust. And I don't think that's the case this year. I, I think they trust a lot more people than we've seen in the past. I think a lot of that is the players are more committed. I think a lot of that is a taking a, a couple of tests every week. I think Cameron Smith and, and Porter Gustin did a really good job in um, in leading that defense and getting these guys to buy in. And, and not buying in because they're telling them to buy in or their coaches want them to buy in, but they're, these kids themselves say, I want to buy in. I want to be able to, to not, you know, not be the one that, you know, 10 guys go one way and I go the other way. I don't want to be that guy. And it happened way too much last year. I don't think, I think it's, it's not going to happen as much this year. And I think they're going to play a lot of guys. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. As far as the rotation goes, how much does depth and having that talent um, help Clancy's trust issues when uh, there's more guys who have the same uh, range of talent as the starters do? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier. I mean, if you're, if you don't think there's a drop off, um, you say, well, maybe this guy's got more experience, you know, like the Malik Thornton, Jay Tufele, uh combo, you know, where Malik is the, uh, you know, the, the guy's been through it all and, and, and just keeps getting better and, you know, not going to get flustered and understands everything they're doing. And yet Jay Tufele has come along. And even though he redshirted last year, he's just, you know, a guy that absolutely they know can play and they trust can play. And they know they got to get him on the field. So uh, I think, you know, in a situation like just that one spot, you, there's no way they don't rotate those guys a lot. And I, I really do believe they, they believe watching Ohio State that the reason Ohio State was able to perform at the level they performed against USC with their defensive line was that they rotated, you know, eight or nine guys. And they, they came flying. I mean, you know, the, the Bosa kid – is an All-American, was an All-American last year, he's an All-American this year. He didn't. He played maybe half the plays for Ohio State. But when he played, it was hard to block him. He was flying by people. Uh, I, think, I think that's the model that USC wants to follow and plans to follow. I think it's the model they will follow. We have a question from Jason in Longhorn Country who wants to know your thoughts, Dan, on Coach Ellis. Uh, Jason thinks that based upon Ellis's interviews, it sure seems like he has the potential to be a future successful head coach. 
Yeah, I really like him. He's, uh, he's not that far removed from playing himself. He's got a, uh, just a confident way about him. He's, uh, he, he's, uh, he doesn't talk around things. He will tell you what he's thinking, what he's seeing. Um, he, he's, he has a way of doing it though. That's not a real, you know, negative or, uh, you know, kind of mean, uh, you know, or nasty way. Uh, you know, that's not always that easy to be, you know, pretty well, you know, straight shooter and yet not say things that, that can be kind of negative. And he just seems to have an ability to do that. I know the players like him and trust him a lot that they just feel, you know, like uh, he's a guy they can talk to. He's a guy they trust. And uh, I don't think you can answer any more than that. And, and I like the fact, and I know a lot of the people on the P really went down the wrong road when this happened, but I love it that he coached for uh, Jeff Brom, uh, the Purdue head coach now at Western Kentucky. They did some wonderful things on offense. They had two straight teams at Western Kentucky that were top 25 teams. That's impossible. I mean, I grew up in Kentucky. Western Kentucky cannot have back-to-back top 25 teams, but they did because they had really smart coaches doing really smart things. And, uh, and, and, uh, Brian was able to be part of that. And he ended up in the very last game there. He was the offensive coordinator in a bowl game where they scored like 50 some points and he was calling the plays. So he's, um, he, yes, he, I think that was a very smart, decision to bring him on, you know, as a grad assistant or a consultant and then a consultant, whatever, and have him in the pipeline so that, uh, you know, you get a chance to see how he works. And then, uh, and then when the opening is, uh, you know, happens, he's ready to go. And I know they said, well, you know, what about your Rolodex? Why don't you go all over? Well, they had already done that, I think, in bringing him here. So uh, I think the smart move in that hire was getting him here to a position where you could have him in waiting if that that job opened up, and so, um, uh, but I think they they did that really well. I I, I really like uh, Brian Ellis. Jim B sent a lengthy question about a guy that you actually talked about last week, Dan. Uh, he wants to know about number thirty-seven, Ben Easington. Um, I believe he only has one year of, of college football. And Jim wants to know, could Ben be the running back version of Clay Matthews? Uh, I think that, that, that's a long, that's a big, 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 big leap uh, uh, to go to Clay Matthews. But to say that he's looked good, absolutely. To say that, you know, you don't notice that there's a big drop-off. Again, you know, when the walk-on is carrying the ball and he's gotten a chance to carry it a lot. And, uh, he's, uh, he's been very impressive. I just, uh, yeah, I mean, he would be, and I don't know what the scholarship number is going to turn out and how many scholarships are going to be available. He'd certainly be, uh, toward the, you know, the front of that line of, of guys that are going to get scholarships, I, I would think this year. Uh, and there, there are three or four, uh, people who immediately, uh, you know, jumped to mind, but he's one, he's, uh, he's done a nice, really nice job. And, kind of looks like the other guy i mean they're all you know you know quick footed change directions and uh and, and you know big enough bodied kids that uh that it has some has some power so he's been uh, he's had a really good fall camp so uh that's all our questions that we had today about the uh the rosters and, and game but it is game week we're still gonna have uh i'm gonna do a preview show 
uh, with our uh, the publisher for the, the UNLV side on 24-7 Sports Network, uh, Joe Arrigo. So we'll have him on. I think I could be on tomorrow, actually, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. So we'll have that uh, for you. Should be good. I just put up a podcast of champions, uh, full Pac-12 week one preview, 12 games in the Pac-12. So up and down there. But one of the maybe get, I don't know how much you guys know about uh, UNLV. Not a, not a lot. Um, if you look at the, you know, Bill Connolly's uh, S&P plus projections, he has them ranked 104th. Uh, but, you know, about a middle of the pack offense and a, a much lower uh, ranked um defense. So they'll probably finish third in the uh the 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 west of the Mountain West, but it's pretty clear there's two, you know, Boise and, and Fresno are the two best teams in that division. But you know, they they've improved every every year. I think they've like went from one game to two games to three games to four games, uh winning. I don't know if they won five games last year or if it was four. Um but that's you know they've been getting a little bit better. Dan, any kind of thoughts on this UNLV team that USC fans would should know about? I like the idea that, that they're going to challenge you with a run pass quarterback, a, a you know, big physical kid that's got, you know, speed and, uh, uh, and will make you make some decisions, I think. And, and then, uh, you know, a couple of running backs that I think have, have some real talent. So, I mean, I like the fact that this is going to be a team that'll, you know, challenge USC's defense right off the bat to be, you know, to play fast, to make good decisions, to do all the things that, they're going to have to do the rest of the year. So I think from that standpoint, that's a good thing. I think there'll also be the kind of uh, defense that maybe USC does have a chance to um, get JT off to a, a pretty good start uh, and, and, and where he can spread the ball around, they can run it, uh, they can you know get their blocking and all of that down. I mean, you need a game, uh, a game like this to get the offense kind of going, whether you decide – we're not going to show everything, you know, we're, we're not going to show anything. I don't know about that, but I think it's a, I think it's a good opener. I mean, I, I like, I like the UNLV game as an opener. I like it that they're, that they do have talent at, uh, at some of the skill positions that, that will challenge USC and uh, make USC, you know, really play fast. And uh, so, so I think it's a good opener. I, I, I th- this is the right opener for this year. I think, I think it works really well. When you've got a you know rookie quarterback, you've got uh, new lead wide receivers and uh, an offensive line that's kind of been banged up in, in in preseason camp, and yet has a bunch of veterans and and needs to really come together the week before they you know go to Stanford and two weeks before they go to Texas. I, I like the I like the opener uh, a lot. All right, uh, Keely. Anything else you got? Any thoughts? I was just about to ask Dan, who do you think is the first USC player to score a touchdown on Saturday? Oh, very millennial Ooh. question. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I just this, is a, uh, <laughs> this is a uh, call Chris Trevino. Up, uh, he does see like what the, the odds are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Should we all pick one? Uh, Let's all pick one. Yeah, uh, you know. Okay. You know, uh, you know, my guess, if I had to, you know, you say right now I'd pick Tyler Vaughn's. Yeah. That uh, that would be just totally not thinking about it, and that's just like throwing darts. Uh, but uh, but if you if they made you make a pick, uh, I'd probably go that direction. What do you say, Keely? Uh, I would probably say Tyler Vaughn's, but to be unique, I'll pr- maybe say said where Damn, like that's, a one yard rush. <laughs> that's what I was going to say, Aka Cedric Ware. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think it's one or the other. I think yeah. they're either going to hit Tyler from you know 
uh, fairly deeper out or they'll get it down close and, and then here comes Sid. Okay, so I'll be different. So I'll let you guys do that. I'll go Tyler Petit. So we'll say wow. a little, yeah, a little tight end dump or something. So give JT Daniels some confidence. So I'll just pick that. But I would I would have picked where would be my spot. So yeah, someone has to pay attention and like when the game's going on, if we remember who scores the first. <laughs> yeah, touchdown. someone tweet at us. But I think I feel like Clay Helton would do kind of. I, this is my question: Is Clay Helton going to do a conservative thing where it's mostly just handing the ball off, seeing how the run game progresses, or do you let JT air it out on the first like throw? <laughs> Uh, I, I'll let, I'll do it real quick before Dan jumps in. So my thing last year, I was never picking USC to cover the spread. This is a 26 point spread. I picked UNLV to cover just, I feel like they'll win comfortably, but not like, it's not going to be this, you know, crazy offensive performance. It's just my gut. You know, I think yeah. they'll, they'll, but I don't know. What do you think, Dan? I know. I think that the difference with JT is we've seen at times he can't help himself. I mean, he'll hit some of those. <laughs> He, he'll hit some of those seam throws that are like, oh, wait a minute, the guy's uncovered. And he, he saw it immediately, and that's going to be a touchdown or whatever. I think they'll get more of those kinds of scores where uh, you have to cover everybody and you all, you all of a sudden you don't cover somebody and he, he throws it to them. I, I just think uh, uh, I think they have the potential this year to have more of those blowouts just because, you know, JT, I mean – I mean, I think the first scrimmage when he w- he hits for four touchdowns on 12 passes, I think he does have that home run ability uh, to put the you know put points on the board that they just seemed to have to work harder last year uh, to get points on the board, and I think I think he he might not have to do that, and uh, you know I think you know they've got guys like Armin Ra. You throw it to him, he is going to try to score with it from wherever he is. Uh, and so I think they're going to get some mismatches. I think if they get the ball to Stephen Carr, even on, you know, just one of those little uh, flares, you know, out of the backfield, he's going to try to score on it. And I don't know that we saw that as much last year. Uh, so, so I think they, they have more potential maybe to, to do, you know, the, uh, uh, to take, take USC and give the points uh, more so than last year where you, you couldn't do that. That yep. made no sense at all. No. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see. Last year they were awful at covering against the spread. I'm going to, I just decided to keep rolling with that until they prove me otherwise. So if they come out and blow out UNLV, then I'll start thinking about it, especially the next two, they're going to be, you know, maybe underdogs in both those games. So, um, you know, I, I'll look at, it, but this, I'm just going to go with what was working last year. Picking against USC did me pretty well. So we'll see. How they turned out with true freshman quarterback is like, ah, you know, so watch them come out and they'll just win by 45 and just say, see, Ryan, we can, we can beat people by a lot of points. I'm like, all right, you gotta, gotta show me though. The JT Daniels. I, mean, I think what we can, what's hard to evaluate is, you know, what kind of talent does UNLV have on defense? I mean, I think that's where, you know, teams run out of athletes. Uh, you might still be able to, you know, get some skill you know, players and all that. But as you, as you, as you go down, you know, conference by conference and that, that's where you, you tend to run out of, out of bodies who can, uh, who can play deep. I mean, I always thought that was the problem in the, you know, the, obviously the bottom half of the Pac-12, but the bottom half of the big 12 or much of the big 12 and much of the ACC, you don't have people that can get to the quarterback. You don't have people that can play the pass in the air and, and that kind of thing. And so, uh, that's what, what, where teams, I think, 
come up short if if you really want to you know score the ball they they don't really have enough people who can stop you uh, from doing that uh, so if you do your job you know you don't want to make it hard on yourself like they did last year against western michigan where they you know they needed marvell tells uh pick six at the, you know at the end uh, to get jake olsen into the game because they just couldn't um couldn't create any separation yeah all right well it should be fun we're gonna head out to practice now uh that's dan weber and uh keely Yor, and i'm ryan abraham we are together we make up the peristyle podcast team at least for this show we got lots of different people <laughs> on this show but this show hopefully you guys enjoyed it we're gonna try to do these out throughout the uh season same time on tuesday so i uh, hope you enjoyed it and we will talk to you next time you may have noticed that shopping at trader joe's is unlike shopping at other markets people ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices this is dan bain of trader joe's the answer is simple it's all in the way we do business we buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible this helps to keep our costs low and we pass those savings on to you no gimmicks, just great values at honest prices every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.